Our today's scripture is on, found on page 1266 in your pew Bibles. It's James 1, 1 through 4. For those of you who have electronic devices, you can find it quicker than those who have to turn pages. <clears throat> but I give you just a minute to find page 1266 in the pew Bibles, unless you have a large print. And I didn't think to check what page it's on in those. But it is James 1, 1 through 4. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. Might be too close. We'll see. I'm going to wow you today with my artwork. I am so confident in my ability to do this that I didn't even practice. You're going to be impressed. Look at this. Woo! <laughs> Does it resemble a triangle? <laughs> we are, I couldn't make it golden because I didn't think it would show up, but we're going with the golden triangle of this series, and, and Brett kicked it off last week. If you got to be here to hear that or you got to hear it online, um, looking sideways at it, <laughs> but uh, if, you, if you got to do that, then you're kind of up to speed on this, but it's not about a Chinese restaurant, and we're not handing out fortune cookies. This is about spiritual transformation, and here as we begin a new year, we want to talk a little bit about what goes into the process of being spiritually transformed, being transformed in our life, in our everyday life, into the likeness and the character of Christ. And that's, that's kind of what this Christian faith is about. It's, uh, it's not just about punching our ticket to heaven. It's about a way of life that Jesus offers that leads to eternal life into a good life and a better life uh, than what we have apart from God and apart from His ways. And, but this doesn't happen without effort. It doesn't happen without grace. It doesn't happen uh, without a process that we go through. And uh, one of the best thinkers on this in recent times is a guy named Dallas Willard. And one of the ways that he described it is just with this simple triangle illustration uh, just to help you remember in your brain the three things that go into the process of spiritual transformation and development as a disciple of Jesus. And, and Brett talked last week about, I don't know if I'm putting these in the right corners or whatever, but uh, he talked about spiritual disciplines. And I should have written that bigger for you in the back, but just pretend that you can see that I'm writing spiritual disciplines. And, and then there's two more. That, that go into this, but spiritual disciplines that he talked about last week is really the one that we have the most control over of these three things that go into um, helping us grow into the likeness of Christ, right? If we're trying to become like Jesus, uh, there's three things that go into it. The first one being spiritual disciplines, practicing things in our day-to-day -day life, practicing habits, uh, putting disciplines into our life, just as if we were training for a sport or training for an occupation, you put in the effort, uh, you do certain things to prepare yourself 
for the job that you're going to have set before you. Similarly, with spiritual disciplines, uh, we discipline ourselves, we discipline our bodies uh, and our minds. And, and so if you, if you uh, didn't get a chance to hear that last week, I really encourage you to go back, maybe listen to the podcast instead of watching the video. <laughs> but however you want to do it, um, definitely just tune into that one because it's important and it's something that's going to be an ongoing conversation here. Uh, the most important one we'll put up here next week. And this week we're going to talk about what I'm calling trials. But, whew, can you read sideways and crooked? What I'm calling trials, but really just problems. Everyday issues that come up in our life. Uh, the mundane sort and the extreme sort, right? There's all kinds of problems that we deal with in life. And this is actually a very important part of this triangle of spiritual development in our lives and that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, when Julie and I got married we had the perfect life. We had a bed of roses without thorns for about four years. It was perfect bliss uh, and then she got pregnant with Hadley and what we thought was just regular old morning sickness turned into a nightmare and it was the toughest thing we had faced in our young, naive lives, you know, to that point. And I remember back in, back in the golden era of our four-year honeymoon of roses and no thorns, uh, we would write little lovey messages to each other on the board, on the uh, mirror in the bathroom with the dry erase marker. Uh, you know, I love you. you know. And, uh, or we might write a Bible verse or different things, just encouragement. We always had a a dry erase marker sitting on the counter so we could write little notes to ourselves. Uh, we actually wrote something on our mirror the other day for the first time in like, I don't know, a couple years. Seemed like kind of got out of the habit. But during that really hard season, I remember taking that dry erase marker and writing across the top of the mirror. He's the God who sees us through. He's the God who sees us through. And in that season of difficult times, uh, we were by no means perfect. Uh, we sometimes uh, were a little short-tempered, or uh, maybe we whined a little too much about our lot in life, or whatever the case may be, but we persevered and we kept the faith through a difficult season, and, and we grew at least a little through that trial that we went through. And so it is with every trial that we face, whether big or small, uh, we have an opportunity to work with God and, and make the most of those trials. And so let's talk a little bit today about how we can make the most of them. How can we turn problems into opportunities? Like I say, there's a sense in which we don't have a lot of control over trials, over the problems that we have. Now, that said, some of us were pretty good at creating our own trials and problems, uh, but usually not on purpose. So, what do we do when we find ourselves in a trial, in a problem, dealing with something difficult? Well, that's the subject today, and that's part of what the Apostle Paul was talking about. When, I mean, not the Apostle Paul. We've been talking about the Apostle Paul a lot lately. James. And let's talk about who this James guy 
is. He says, uh, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes scattered amongst the nations. Greetings. This is uh, believed to be James, not the apostle, that James and John, that followed Jesus around the countryside. Uh, that James is believed to have already died by this point, martyred for his faith. Uh, he was the first of the apostles of the twelve to be martyred for his faith. We're told in Acts that Herod had him killed pretty early on. Uh, this James is referred to, we believe, by, um, by the Apostle Paul as the brother of our Lord. There was a, a James that was a pillar, a leader, uh, an authority figure in the church in Jerusalem, which was the, the founding church, if you will, of our entire movement and that eventually spread all the way around the globe. And he ended up being the leader, this, this one who had been a brother of our Lord, ended up become, coming to faith in Christ, apparently after Jesus' death and resurrection, and becoming a leader within the church. And so we believe that this is that James. There's several things that support that. Uh, and th this is an authentic letter. Things like the fact that if it was propaganda, you can bet you they would have been saying, James, the brother of Jesus Christ, the Lord, I am supremely powerful. No, you know, he would have, uh, look at me, how impressive I am, you know. Uh, but there's none of that here. It's humble and understated. Um, and so we, things like that, just even the greeting that he uses and, and, uh, and the fact that he's writing, it seems, to a primarily a Jewish audience since, with his use of the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Um, James would have been considered kind of the leader of the, the Jewish church in the same sense that Paul was kind of considered an apostle to the Gentiles. Uh, James was sort of a, an apostle to the Jewish believers. And so there's several things that kind of clue us in as to who's writing this. And, uh, and so tradition is held uh, through all the centuries that this was a letter that came from James, the brother of Jesus. So then that makes it especially interesting as we read the first things that he has to say. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Consider for a moment that this author did not just learn this from the teachings of Jesus, but would have learned it from the life of Jesus. The everyday life of Jesus. Can you imagine being the brother or a sibling to Jesus? I mean, first off, how are you ever going to measure up? Second off, you know, what would it take to convince you that your sibling was the Son of God? <laughs> and yet, James became convinced of that having grown up with him and watched him. You know, sometimes we forget that Jesus had an ordinary life for most of his life. That he lived in a little town and worked a job, blue collar. Right? He was known in his town as the carpenter, not as the Messiah. And he faced the everyday trials and problems that we face. And experience. And James watched him go through all that. 
as well as hearing him teach and seeing that he was the Lord through his death and resurrection. And so this James writes to us, Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. So weird, isn't it? Let's talk about this concept of trials because I think that part of what gives us a hard time with this concept of, of seeing this in a positive light uh, is I think we, one, we picture you know, terrible things happening and then us trying to be joyful in the middle of it. But also, when we think about trials and tests, I'm not sure if we necessarily think of them in the right context. For instance, if you think of you know, God testing you or being tested, you might think of like a teacher testing you and you know, study this material, um, take this test, and I'll see if you pass or not. You know, that kind of thing. Um, where really maybe we should think of it in terms of, of a, a game that you play. If you are an athlete and you play a sport, uh, you practice and you practice and you practice spiritual disciplines. We practice and we practice and we practice. But at some point, right, you've got to take what you practice and you've got to get in the game. You've actually got to use what you learn in real life. You've got to be tested. You've got to be tried. You've got to, to, you have to do that. You have to, to ever get better at a sport, you have to play the game sometimes, right? Now, modern day sports has taken that to the extreme and we like, you know, sign up our kids for 300 games this year. You know, it's like, why we have lost our minds like AAU it's like we play all year you know you see the parents kind of like <laughs> worn out <laughs> pocketbooks worn out but anyway that's because we know that there's only so far practice can take you and at some point you've got to play the game to get better at playing the game both are important you need the disciplines you need the practice but you also have to take what you learn in those disciplines and through that practice and apply them in the trials and tests of everyday life. You have to play the game at some point. Now, in life, the game finds us. It's just a matter of whether we take what we're trying to learn and we apply it in those trials and tests. That's the question. But if you do, then you can begin to see trials and tests as not merely burdensome things or terrible things, but also as opportunities. We, we hear this sentiment echoed uh, from in other spots in the New Testament as well. Paul wrote to the Romans uh, that we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And so the things that were meant to harm us, that seemed like we couldn't overcome them, God can actually use those to bring about good in our life and ultimately even hope. And that's why we glory in them. That's why we have joy in them. It's not like, uh, ooh, yay, trial time. <laughs> you know, yes, another problem. You know, when, when they're saying count it a joy or glory in it, it's not like... I mean, come on. You have the image of when Jesus faced his greatest trial of all, right? 
Was he high-fiving his disciples in the garden right before they took him to crucify him? No. Was Stephen, the first martyr, doing a happy dance as they threw stones at him? You know, we don't, it's not like that. But what it is like is saying, yes, even though this is difficult, even though this is terrible, even though I don't like my situation right now, this is an opportunity, and my God can take even the worst circumstances life and the devil has to throw at me and turn them into something positive. He can produce something beautiful in me through what is an ugly circumstance. And so it is that we glory in our trials. We find joy in them because of the hope that we have. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Many kinds. The big ones that shake your life to the core and the little ones like driving in rush hour. Every trial can be cons you can count it with joy. You can count it for glory because it's an opportunity. We might say this. This is our little thought for the day. No pain, no gain. You're probably familiar with it. It's true in our faith as well. It's only so far you're going to go in your faith with Christ without getting in the game. Using what you've learned through your spiritual disciplines of study and prayer, fasting, giving, being, you know, striving to be generous. Where you really grow is when that trial comes and you're striving to be generous in the midst of that trial. When the finances are thin, how's your faith What's your faith going to do then? What's really hard is keeping your faith when the doubts creep in and you face that trial. Of keeping your hope when you feel depressed. Of keeping your head up and your confidence in God when your job seems like it may be almost over. What are you going to do next? It's in those trials in that pain where we have an opportunity everything that we face is an opportunity and again this is not something you know as I thought about how do we apply this in our life well it's a little different than spiritual disciplines because with spiritual disciplines we say well Here's some disciplines. Practice them. Trials, it's more out of our control, like I said. There's, you know, we can't pencil in, on Wednesday, I'm going to have a trial. And it's going to go well. You've got to count it a joy. If we could, people with my personality would be a lot more prepared for them. <laughs> but we can't. They just come. They just happen. New Year's make me nervous now. Because I'm like, looks like we have reason to hope this year. Maybe it's going to be a great year. <laughs> but it's entirely possible it won't be. You know, it's entirely possible that some terrible thing is going to come and just wreck the whole year and we'll be good if we survive. <laughs> In the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, what medical disaster might come up this year? 
What lady might sneeze and total my car this year, you know? It's happened before. <laughs> That's what she said happened. I'm just... But it helps your perspective some if you recognize that no matter the trial, you know, no matter what comes, be it big, be it small, even death itself can be victory when we're in Christ. There's nothing that can overcome us and overpower us when we're in his hands. And when we're in his hands, every, every trial that we face, every problem that comes up, is an opportunity for our gain. To become a little bit more like Jesus. Every time we face something and we persevere through it and at the, at the other end of the tunnel, we still have our faith. And we've hung on and we've persevered and maybe it wasn't always pretty and we certainly weren't perfect, but you know what? We're still standing and we're still believing. That's a victory. And every time that we encourage one another in the midst of our trials, that's a victory. And we grow through it and we become a little bit more like Jesus. And so it is that we're probably the weirdest people on earth because we count it joy when we face trials of many kinds. We may not be running around high-fiving each other, but we recognize that it's not just a problem. It's not just a trial. It's an opportunity to grow in maturity and completeness in our faith in ways that could never be achieved in another way. I mean, you really can't, you can only go so far with, in practice, right? I mean, you can practice all day. You can practice all night. You can practice in the rain and in the snow. But until you line up on that field across from the other team, you know, it's playoff time. Until you do that, until you play the game, there's only so far you can go. And so we need these trials and these circumstances to help shape us into who God wants us to be. It's another passage about this that says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us fix, uh, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I told you it was like a sport. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Think about him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. What do you do when trials come? What's your attitude and your perspective? Are you quick to throw in the towel? To throw up your hands? To give up? To whine? To complain? To get bitter? That's typical. So don't feel bad. Are you prone to say, I got this? 
Watch this. <laughs> I don't need help. Also typical. What if we fixed our eyes on Jesus? What if we said, if he can endure what he endured, if his spirit is living in me, then I can endure whatever it is that I face by his strength. And count it joy. Count it glory. Count it an opportunity to persevere, to grow in the character and likeness of Christ. And in so doing, our faith and our hope will increase. In this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble. We have trouble because this world is a troubled world. And everyone in it has trouble. Everyone in it experiences pain and suffering and ultimately death because we live in a broken world, a fallen world. Jesus did not come to offer us so much an escape from that as a chance to grow through it so that we become more and more like him. And someday he will return and set up a new heaven and a new earth with a different order to it where things will be as he designed it to be and intended to be before sin ruined it, marred it. And until then, though, every trial that we face is an opportunity. Anyone an only child? <laughs> Not many of us. I feel kind of lonely. <laughs> you know, they say you're spoiled when you're an only child. I don't know if I believe that, but... One thing that unspoils you is trouble and trials. There's a sense in which we here in America and in the Western world, we live in a unique time. We live in a time where it's one of the wealthiest places ever, one of the most filled with luxuries. We take them for granted. Oftentimes, you know, we don't consider ourselves rich. We don't think of ourselves that way because we see that house on the hill that's way bigger than ours. But we are so blessed and so spoiled in so many ways. I think that's one of the reasons that we throw the biggest fits when trials come our way sometimes. We're just spoiled enough to think that we shouldn't have to go through them. We're called to have a maturity about us. That in the face of trials, while everyone else throws up their hands and despairs or complains that this isn't fair, we say, you know what? The pioneer of our faith suffered more than this. And for the joy set before him, because he wasn't just playing the short game, he was playing the long game. He endured even the cross. And look what good has come from it. So, for the joy set before me, 
for the joy set before you, let us endure the everyday problems and the life-altering problems as well that come our way. Let us persevere as Jesus did. Let us keep the faith, let us encourage one another, and through it, we will grow and become more like Christ. He's the God who sees us through. Many of you know that we moved here and, and got pregnant again, and it didn't go even as well as the first time. Uh, so another trial, a harder trial. But to be honest with you, most of it didn't feel harder to me. Part of that is because we were a little more experienced. <laughs> we'd learned a little bit the first time around. And part of what we had learned was that he's the God who sees us through. And if he's seen us through before, he can see us through again. And so it is that with every trial and every problem and everything that you face, be it small or be it large, we should be able to look back and remember. He's the God who saw us through before. He's the God who will see us through again. And so we gain confidence. Look back on your life today. Look at the, the problems that you've faced and the trials that you've gone through. Maybe you don't have to look back very far, right? Maybe you're in the midst of it. But I would encourage you, don't think about the present one if you're in the midst of one right now. For this exercise, look back a little further. Think about the ones you've already been through and how God brought you through it and what good thing he worked in your life because of it. And know that he's the same God today. I'm excited to share with you next week about the peak, the pinnacle, the important, all-important piece of this triangle of spiritual transformation. But for today, remember, no pain, no gain. At some point, you've got to take what you've learned from Jesus and get in the game with it. You're not going to be perfect. Sometimes it'll feel like you lost the game. But persevere. Keep the faith. And God will continue to use those things in your life. If you're not sure where you stand with Jesus today, but you'd like to have a faith that turns the everyday problems that you face into opportunities, then I would encourage you to take Christ as your Lord, as the pioneer and the author of your faith today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for being the God who sees us through.